The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. It's time for a different take on spirituality for the modern world. Welcome to Big Universe with Jim Lefter. Welcome to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. I'm Jim Lefter. I'll be your host today, kind of a spiritual journeyman and media producer type guy. I run a website with online courses called youthrivehere.com. And joining me today as co-host is spiritual rebel Sarah Bowen. Sarah is the author of Spiritual Rebel, a positively addictive guide to finding deeper perspective and higher purpose. How are you, Sarah? I'm okay. Jim, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I am looking forward to this interview today because I have not ever interviewed a multimillionaire. Have you? What you mean besides me? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I was just scripting I made, that and putting I, it out there. Like I maybe it'll happen. Exception. I made that assumption. <laughs> I, I do apologize. I don't, I don't know. No, your... no, no. I'm a multi-thousandaire. Um, no, I have not spoken to a multimillionaire uh, yeah. that I can think of. And I'm really, oh. I'm interested in his techniques. You know, I, I mean, there, there are special things that you can do you know, to prosper in that way. And, and his mindset, you know, I think, you know, it's not something that everybody gets every day. And I'm, I'm just curious about that. I'm not that that makes him as a person any different than the rest of us, but just, you know, what his process is and, and what he's thinking about. Yeah. You know, and what I think I like too, is like, I want to be successful so I can be generous. Yes. And I think that's one of the things that, that when I was reading his book that came through too, but the idea of, I don't want to, you know, be sex, successful or make money or this or that. So I can just have more. I want to be able to do more and give more. And, and so I think that they have to be together. Otherwise it's just kind of like ego-based success, which I guess, well, doesn't do as much for me. Well, that's understand. And I also understand that he, uh, he has some animal sanctuaries, which is right up your alley, which I really want to, I want to hear a little yeah. bit about. And you know, I think, I think my husband may be in trouble. Because I think that that idea that I have about buying a big barn on like 100 acres and filling it full of feral cats, you know, these tips, tools and techniques, I may just get that. Wow. Wow. <laughs> well, I'm I have to say that I would be a little frightened running into walking into a barn with a bunch of feral cats. That seems dangerous to me. Well, if it happens, if I, if, if I can manage to, to make that happen someday, we are going to do a live episode in my cat of my barn of cats. What do you think? I love that idea. Do I have to wear one of those like suits to, uh, you know, to protect myself from, from all the feral cats? Will they be mean? 
No, feral cat. Actually, feral cats aren't mean. The thing about feral cats is they are on to what humans are up to, mm, right? Yeah. So they're just. I think feral cats are a little smarter and they're a little more skittish of us because they're like, "Hey, humans, look at all that stuff you're doing that we don't approve of, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what are y'all doing to the planet? Come on, humans." So I think feral cats sometimes get a bad rap. They're not always vicious, uh, but their life's a little harder than the the big fluffies that live in our house. That's for sure. So so we'll see. I don't know. What do you want to manifest? Well, I want to manifest some media stuff. So that's what I'm going to do. But I did have a question to you about uh, bears. Will you also uh, shelter bears? You know, I was just talking about bears. Were you? Yeah, I was. Isn't that interesting? Wow. Um, so I don't know. So it, it would depend on how the bears would treat the cats. Hmm. Yeah, that would be a that would be a complex interaction. I don't. I am know. I am concerned about the bears though. Recently, there's a lot on you know if you're on Instagram and Facebook, you can see that you know we're encroaching so much. Only four percent of the animals left on the planet are wild. Four percent. Over sixty wow. percent are farmed animals that are in our you know animal food systems, right? And like thirty six percent are humans, right? So most of the beings on the planet right now are ones that we. Eat we're raising to eat, which is super inefficient. That could be a whole nother show we could do. Um, but there's not a lot of wild animals left. And so the bears are having a hard time because we're encroaching so much on their space. You know, and then they start to come into like our pools and picnic tables and then counties do some stuff that I'm not so happy about, right? Right. Um, which is, you know, think that the bear is dangerous and then off the bear. So, right. you know, these are things, I guess, as spiritual folks, we got to look at, you know, it's, it's funny to, to laugh about, you know, whether I'd have sure. bears with my cats, but sure. um, they, they are facing some, some big difficulties right now. I had no idea. And that's very informative. I appreciate that. I appreciate your animal perspectives as an animal chaplain. It's, it's very va valuable. I mean, I think that we don't always hear enough about wildlife and what's going on in our sheltered human lives. Uh, we don't, you know, that we, we have the center of the universe running right through our foreheads mm -hmm. and we're trying to be the best humans we can be. And that's cool, right? We need to be the best humans we can be, but there are, <laughs> there's 8.7 billion other species out there, right? <laughs> so, um, 8.7 million, excuse me. Is it million or billion? Oh, God, you caught me on a data fact I got to look up. But there's a whole lot of non-humans out there. And we've got to, I think, when we're talking about, you know, taking care of the planet, we have to think a little bit about them, too. We do. We do. Yeah. Very, very important. And that's tough. Like, my husband and I, the other day, were having quite the row about what to do about the wasps that want to live with us. Oh. Right? Oh. Yeah. That's... I didn't win. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of a difficult thing. It is so, yeah, but 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 worthy of uh, consideration if we're living a spiritual life. That's for sure. True. Very true. Very true. Okay, are you ready for dueling inspirations? I, I am, am. I am thinking, I may win this one, but it's just a it's just a hunch. Really? No, not really. Oh, okay. Well, let's hear it. Okay. If you surrender completely to the moments as they pass. You live more richly those moments. Oh, you might win this. Who is that? Anne Morrow Lindbergh. Wow. That's if, nice. If you surrender completely to the, to the moments as they pass, you live more richly those moments. Oh, I like that. I'm going to use that today. I, I feel calmer already, Jim. Thank you. All right. So I've got a... Eh, we'll see. 
Okay. Because our value is a gift, we don't have to prove ourselves, only have to express ourselves. And what a world of difference there is between proving ourselves and expressing ourselves. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's William Sloan Coffin, uh, who I've been reading a lot of peace activists lately. Yes. (laughs) With everything that's going on in the world. And I like the idea that I'm often, when I'm in that proving myself state, I'm in ego ego space a lot. Sure, right. Right. So I'm trying to uh, figure out with all the divisiveness and the difference of opinions going on right now, how to stay centered and expressing myself, not proving that I'm right. Wow. Yeah. Humans, you know, it's a human thing that we, we go to that proof thing. And I, I think it's the way we're, we're brought up too. you know, prove yourself. Yeah. Yeah. As if, as if just to be, isn't enough. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I do like that one. Um, but I'm gonna, I'm just gonna accept that I won. I'm just, you know, my ego is right there. Saying you know what? One. We need to get one of those like wood plaques <laughs> that has the little brass. You know what I'm talking about, right? The listeners do, and and those little brass things that you stick to the wood plaque with who won. See, here we are trying to prove ourselves to <laughs> each other. We are, and we're competing. Right? We just did it, we're, and we're not letting the moment pass by in joyfulness. But you're you right. Know what? Let's tie. Let's tie again, Jim. Okay, it's a deal. <laughs> it's a deal. All right, are you ready to jump into the show? I am. Let's do it. Let's do it. Here's Martha Creek with a Unity Moment. Hi, friends. It's Martha Creek. MarthaCreek.com to contact me directly. My mission in life is to serve those who serve and to get empowered teachings to the whole of humanity. So please co-inspire with me with that. And the thought and invitation of today is to cultivate don't know mind. Cultivate I don't know mind. Now I know some of this will irritate some of you, so just hang in here if you can for these few minutes to consider. The mind is like a parachute. It doesn't work if it's not open. (laughs) So keep, as we cultivate the don't know mind, what we're actually cultivating is curiosity. A researcher stand and inform me, help me understand this. Help me connect the dots here. Even a sense of wonder or surprise. It leads us into what the Beatitudes and frankly all other faith traditions have encouraged us for, which is to live in a more open receptive, in the flow, as it goes, as it unfolds, way of being. So then we are more ready to meet whatever shows up as it shows up. And we're worried to death, most of us, of being seen as ignorant or dumb or stupid. And ignorance is usually thought of as the absence of information or being unaware And it's not, I don't see it that way. I see it that it's more than just not knowing. It means that we know something, but it's the wrong thing. So then ignorance is actually misperception. So in the beginner's mind, there are many, many possibilities. 
But in an expert's mind, there are few possibilities. That's from a Zen master named Roshi, Suzuki Roshi. In the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities. But in the expert's mind, there are few. So this don't know mind is an invitation to enter life, to wake up each day, to enter in every interaction, to answer the door, to answer the phone, to meet a relationship or a family member with fresher eyes and to consistently empty our own mind, to purify our mind, to purify our heart and to um, live in a more of a state of wonder. And to cultivate then the don't know mind would lead us toward um, giving up some of this notion that we've got to know everything, that we've got to hold all this data and detail in all of this, which is absolutely meaningless for the most part, because most people don't remember those details or care about the details. They're caring about, did we care about them? Did they notice that we cared about them, that we were there for them? So there's benefits there to our own self, to our own emotional field, to our own intellectual field, and certainly in our relational dynamics and emotional dynamics. This is where the don't know mind can help us understand ourselves, forgive ourselves, forgive others, know each other better, and to know that in all cases, the truth is life knows, or God knows, or universe knows, whatever you call that. And I invite you today, as you live this out and embody this don't know mind, that you activate and spark in you a new sense of wonder. And as Haviz says, now, now, now is the season to know that everything you do and get to do is sacred. Surrendering to the sacred and cultivating the don't know mind. Blessings, friends. Funniest thing guy, Ed Biagioti, joins us with a new segment. Hello, everyone. It is Ed Biagioti, and I am the co-host of Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed on Unity Online Radio. And I am happy to be talking to you on Big Universe about the subject of success. There is a great quote from Marianne Williamson, which says, The decision to be the divine attracts the divine. That's where success is born from. Success is born from the choice to identify ourselves with who we truly are and let go of the extraneous noise which would have us thinking we're small or lacking or needy or that we need to argue and fight and fuss with the world around us. That's why practices like meditation, inspired reading and affirmative prayer are so important because when we tap in and align with who we truly are, the divine, then our success is assured. So have a great and successful day. And take care of yourselves and remember that Daryl and Ed love you. And now it's time for our interview. Trevor Blake is the author of New York Times bestseller, Three Simple Steps. And his newest book is Secrets to a Successful Startup, a recession-proof guide to starting, surviving, and thriving in your own venture. 
Trevor was founder and CEO of QOL Medical LLC, which he started with just a few hundred dollars and sold in 2010 for more than $100 million. He's since sold two more companies over $300 million and is currently at work on his fourth, fifth, and sixth businesses. You're clearly not working enough. <laughs> I only work five hours a day. <laughs> That is awesome. We're going to get to that. Um, he's never hired a single employee or worked more than five hours a day. He's won many industry awards, including Pharmaceutical Manager of the Year 1990, 91, 92, and UK Marketing Professional of the Year. Trevor's passion is physics and how we can use an understanding of the relationship between energy and matter to achieve success in any aspect of business and life. And Trevor, that's right up our alley here. We're totally into the whole energy thing. Great. I hope we have enough time. <laughs> I hope we do too. Um, so I want to say, before we get into everything, one of the things you mentioned later in the book that I thought was really interesting is that, you know, you need to pay attention to what people have done when they're mentoring you because, you know, there are a lot of self-help gurus out there, a lot of folks that are, you know, teaching material and, you know, sometimes they've actually gotten wealthy off of teaching people how to teach getting rich and you know they haven't necessarily accomplished it themselves outside of that so I really appreciate that yeah for me it's always been a bit of a dilemma for me because I've read a lot of self-help books and personal anyone who wants to success in life does that you know but for me a lot of them they say the things that you think you want to hear and so they make you feel somewhat better about the life you're living. So you don't, you're not beating yourself up quite so much, but they don't give practical tools and techniques that you can implement straight away that give you a better life. And people are buying the book because they want a better life. And so I, I'm always very careful of what I allow in my brain and what's, what sensory input I allow in my brain. So I you know no Fox news TV or stuff like that, but also when it comes to self-help and things like that, I'm very careful. So I always research the authors and their backgrounds very carefully. And it's, I have to say it's disappointing the, the few books I've purchased compared to the numbers I could have purchased if I hadn't researched the background. Because a lot of people, like you say, have, you know, have become wealthy or successful simply because for some reason the book caught on. Very clever marketing in many cases, multi-level marketing in many cases. And so, you know, I just, after I sold my first company, which you mentioned kindly just, just before, I'm, I made the silly mistake of telling my wife I was going to go on sabbatical because I've been working since I was 17. And, you know, she rolled her eyes thinking that's not going to work. And then two weeks later, she said, if you don't start something now, something new, I'm going to kill you. Because I was pacing <laughs> up and down in the kitchen. I was, I was getting on the nerves. Yeah. So I was, I was in the airport that night and there was another book came out by another self-help author. And it was, it was, you know, I really almost had to reach for an airline vomit bag. And so I thought, you know what, stop moaning about it and fix it. So that's why I wrote Three Simple Steps the first time, because I wanted to write a book based upon what I'd learned from reading all of these other books. I, I, I must have read, you know, 500 biographies, and I found the same three patterns of behavior, regardless of time, regardless of gender, regardless of, of industry or, or activity. I found these same three patterns of behavior. And so I introduced those into my life when I was quite young. I was, I was probably lucky to find them. And my life just took off. You know, I had a life of travel and adventure and luxurious lifestyle and then I started my first company you know when I, I turned in my 40s and you know, found a, a business model that works that pretty much runs the company by itself after the first two or three months and, and I just keep doing that I just keep you know coming up with ideas to fix things and so three simple steps was just another one of those things it was an idea to fix something that was missing in the market and that is you know you can read the book and whether you're 15 or 95 you can implement some of the ideas the tools and techniques and change your life tomorrow and that's what people want you know that can gives you the self-confidence to keep going 
Absolutely. And, you know, it's it's very interesting, um, the biographical part of your book, and you talk about your mother and the journey that you've had. Um, You didn't start off in luxurious circumstances to be be mild about it, um, yet you were able to achieve this. And um, talk to me a little bit about that. I'm curious about your background. I I think the folks that uh, are listening are probably curious about that. Well, I, I grew up in abject poverty, but I didn't realize it was until I left home and went back. And I thought, my God, this is how I lived. <laughs> I had no idea it was that bad. Um, you know, my, my father was unemployed my whole life and he, he was like me. He was just a voracious reader. So I think I think he preferred to sit on a chair reading and smoking than actually going to work. So he wasn't a bad man. It wasn't a, 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 no drug or alcohol or anything. He just just didn't. He sort of dropped out of life, really. And, uh, and so we lived on welfare because my mother had been diagnosed with cancer when I, when I was seven. And this is in a time when there really were no treatments for cancer. So it was like a death sentence and she was told she had six months to live. And, and it was that remarkable time because we didn't, we couldn't, you know, we didn't have a, a vehicle. So, and there was no babysitting or anything like that. So when she went to the doctors, I had to go with her and my brother and sister, it was like a family outing. And I was there that day when, when a doctor said to her, you know, sorry, Mrs. Blake, but you, you know, you'll be lucky to, to still be here in six months time. And, and that, it scared the hell out of me. And my sister started crying. And I looked at my mom and she sort of lifted up like that. And she says, excuse me, young man, you've got that terribly wrong. I decide when I'm gonna die, not you. And she lived for another, you know, till I was 21. And she refused to die until all her kids had left home. And, and uh, I'd left home and come back and then left again. So, so she, I saw in her eyes what indefatigable looks like. And that inspired in me, I wouldn't be like that. And I want more of that in my life. So I, I, so I grew up a little bit different mentally than perhaps if I hadn't have seen that. Um, and then we, we got evicted from our house and um, we ended up in a place where I, I was English and we were in, in a principality of Britain called Wales. And it was a time when the Welsh wanted the English out. And so it was the wrong time to turn up, actually. So I, I, I suffered you know, through my teenage years some, some quite heavy sectarian bullying. We, you know, I'm talking about baseball bats and 12-ball shotguns, you know, it's not just name calling. And um, you know, I fought, I, I'm a, I was ginger-haired and very feisty, so I fought when I could, but I was also a good runner, so I ran when I needed to. And I, I found that if I hid out in the public library, they didn't even bother going in there. They, they would never have any reason to go in. And so I started going to the reference section and reading biographies, and that just completely changed my life. And I started reading books on physics that were university level. I was only 14. And, um, you know, I, I, I was thinking, why, why don't we know all this stuff? This is mm. amazing. The quantum physics was just coming, in, in, coming to age at that point in the 70s. And so uh, I just became, a, you know, um, an addict of, of physics, got my first degree as, uh, you know, in radiation physics. And, um, and but, I, but those, reading those biographies just completely changed my life. So I implemented some of the things I learned quite early and it made me from an average student to, you know, top student. Um, made me realize that the, the limitations I thought were being put on me, that I thought I had and that were part of me, were in my mind. And these people I was reading about had far worse circumstances in far worse times and went on to do amazing things. So that, that kind of inspired me to want to go and do the same thing, really, and have fun, of course. Well, fun is very important. Fun is very important. It's curious to me that, um, uh, and we're, we're going to definitely get into the, the, the steps a little bit later, um, probably in our second half, but it's, it's curious to me that you say in, in at least your second book that you talk about what drives a successful business isn't necessarily passion, it's it's seeing a need or it's um it's it's something you're mad about can you talk a little bit about that yeah i mean it doesn't have to be. i think you can be successful doing something you love no doubt about it but for winning ideas typically i've never met a successful entrepreneur who set out to be an entrepreneur they find something that makes them mad 
think of someone like Sarah Blakely with her, with her uh, uh, Spanx company. They find something really simple and mad, like the little ridges on the toes of the, of the, of the, um, of the stockings that used to drive her crazy. And she went about and fixed it. And she became a multimillionaire successful entrepreneur with a billion dollar company as a result of fixing something. And that was a common theme that went through some of the com you know, com commercial biographies that I read too, that people just looked at something and said, you know, no one's fixing this. I'm going to, I'm going to fix it myself. And you become an entrepreneur by default. I mean, I, I don't have any particular skills as an entrepreneur, but I do, I do think that's a secret sometimes to a winning idea as opposed to just another idea. It's, it's to make a note of all the things that get under your skin and then, you know, go fix one and see what happens. You can't, you can't lose. I mean, you know, and, and most people who take that approach, you know, the, the second reaction is, but I don't know what I'm doing. I never know what I'm doing at the beginning of a company. I have no idea. But we're, re we're remarkable human beings. We can figure almost anything out if we just have a little bit of self-confidence and, and the passion to want to fix something. I mean, I'm very passionate about building companies. I love to do that because I'm passionate about physics. That's taking the energy of an idea and making it into a real impactful thing. That, that's where my passion comes in. But it could be fixing anything, whatever has got under my skin. Um, so I, I do recommend that because a lot of people come to me and say, I'd, I'd really love to start a company, but I don't know where to begin. And, and so I, I, you know, in Secrets to a Successful Startup, I teach the how to go and find a winning idea. And that's part of it. It's not all of it, but it's part of it. And I think one of the things that stuck with me in the beginning section of the book as well was you were talking about um, addressing what you are for as opposed to what you are against. And right. that really stuck with me too, with this thing that we're trying to fix. If the energy is towards the problem rather than the solution, you know, that, that's a big difference. So and, and it's just, really it's, stuck it's, with me. Thank you. And it's a, it's a really great uh, topic, actually, because especially the way everyone's living right now, yeah. you, know, you can see how people get so against something and all you get is more of what you're against. That's how it works. It's not a new age thing. It's an energy thing. It's a physics thing. And that's because our thoughts are real things. They, they're made by a new chemical reaction. They take the energy of the action. You can measure it and all that. Japanese scientists have recently done that. And you send it out to the universe and energy has only one law it can abide, it can, can go by. And that is it has to become its material equivalent or stay as energy. And so your thoughts come back and give you exactly what you've been thinking about. So if you're thinking about what you're against, you get more of what you're against. It's like a downward spiral. I call it quicksand. The harder you try, the deeper you sink. And so, the, the, you know, it's nothing clever about this. This is what I picked out of all those biographies. If you change instead, like Mother Teresa said when she answered a journalist question, you know, young man, I'm not, a, I'm not against war, I'm for peace. In that one sentence is all of quantum physics. <laughs> It's a beautiful statement. And so if, if we change our mind from, from being against the thing we want to fix and for the solution, as you say, it just changes everything and it changes the energy around you. And you, the more you think about what you're for, the more those, those, those thoughts come back and give you reasons to be more for instead of against. So your life starts to miraculously improve and that's when serendipity turns up and all these things. And, and you know, it's, it's a very simple process. Yeah, I, I try to talk about it from a scientific standpoint because I think these days people have a right to the evidence to see the, what, how does this work, rather than just accept, oh, this guy says do this, you know. <laughs> awesome. Well, I am going to rudely interrupt, and uh, we're going to take us to break. We'll be right back on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
Welcome back to a slightly off-kilter look at spirituality. This is Big Universe with Jim Lefter. Welcome back to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. So just before the break, Trevor, you were talking about energy, and and I'm I'm curious to hear more about that because often on this show we we hear it from the spiritual perspective and somewhat from the physical perspective or, or the physics perspective. Can you talk a little bit more about that and and how that how that works? Well, you know, so all your 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 um, followers probably know then that you know everything in the universe, according to string theory, is made of these jiggling strings of energies. I, I like to sort of demystify physics if I can because. It, you know, we use fancy labels and jargon and it puts people off, but they're just jiggling strings of energy. And, you know, the conglomeration of those jiggling strings produces a frequency of vibration. And based upon that frequency of vibration, we experience it as something like a tree or a desk, depending on the vibration. But both are alive. The desk is as alive as a tree, just, just at a slightly different vibration. So, so energy, everything in, in the universe is, constantly, is a constant uh, state of change. String theory also tells us that for anything to exist at all, it has to exist in at least 10 dimensions. That's mind-boggling. Yeah, that I mean, is mind-boggling. And we only experience three. And so, so all my life I've been fascinated with, well, what happens if I can find a way to experience this, a dimension that's outside of this material solid dimension? And what I found was if you build something there, because everything has to be in 10 dimensions, it has no choice but to show up in the physical world that we experience. And that's a lot easier to build something in a fourth dimension and have it show up than it is to build it in a solid third dimension. So, so, I'm very, so I started to, look, to experiment with and develop tools and techniques for how we use our imagination and, and, and how we use it with the illusion of time. I call it time-imagination. So we crush time and we use our imagination in a very different way whereby we imagine the outcome right at the beginning. So, be, so when I start a company, I automatically imagine. So when I started Qual Medical, the first company, I imagined selling it for $100 million. And, and not just that, not just, getting, not just get seeing the money in my bank account or getting the check, but the impact it had along, on, on its journey and the sort of people I wanted to work with and be around. I did, had no clue what I was doing, but then six years later, I sold it for 105.5 million. And I had a blast of a time working with some wonderful people who I'm still friends with today. And so I, I taught myself very quickly, my God, my theory works. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so that's what I've been doing. I do that with all my companies. So, so I, I use, I, I've, I've learned, as Alan Watts says, you know, life is a playing of energy. So I've learned to play with energy in a slightly different way that many people might not have thought of doing. And so, so when, when, they, when they get this message and then they decide, okay, that's really interesting. So I'll use this uh, tool or technique that, that Trevor Blake's invented to use my imagination in this particular way and see what happens. And then the emails I get back from all over the world from people who do that, they're just, they're just worth the effort. It's just, it's just, just beautiful. Some people have gone on to do much better things than I have. And um, I, I just think it's, it's a, it, these little tools and techniques should be taught at school, but of course they're not. So um, my God, how, what a brilliant world it would be if everyone at school was doing this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I want to dive into the, the steps in your three simple steps book. Um, uh, and, and the first one, and, and at least initially, the most important one is reclaiming your mentality. Um, what, you know, what does that mean? And, and your mentality, explain that to me. Well, mentality isn't so much about how we think, but how we react to what we think. And so, so it's more, it's not positive thinking because that's, that's an illusion. Positive thinking, you may have had many guests that talk about positive thinking, but actually it's physically impossible because thoughts take 500 milliseconds. So you can't, you can't, you can't get in front of something that happens that fast, you know? So, so if you see, and you don't want to, because if you see and hear something that you don't like, 
if, if you know, say a, bear, a grizzly bear's running at you and you say, oh, positive thinking, I'll, I'll think positively about this bear that's about to kill me, you know, you know you're not going to survive. You, you, need the, you need the ability to think negatively in order to survive. But what's important then is how you respond to the, those, those thoughts. So I'll, I'll use a great example because the, the analogy, I think, tell, you know, tells the science. You know, most people are in debt, right? So, so, and a lot of people are in more debt than they ever realized they, they wanted to be in or were in. And so what, let's imagine someone goes on to, the, to their online credit card account and they see the debt and they go, oh my God, what a mess. How did I ever get into such a mess? How will I ever get out? Your stomach turns over and you're full of fear, okay? So that's, that's your initial reaction and there's nothing wrong with that. And you should never beat yourself up for feeling that way. But what has actually happened physically is that you've sent those thoughts of debt out to the universe. And all that's going to come back is more reasons to have that feeling because thoughts don't have an emotion. They just are. They convert to the material equivalent. So, so next month, guess what? You're going to do the same thing again because something on the house needed repairing or something like that. But you do have control. So you can't control that. But what you can control is the recognition that I've just had some thoughts that aren't in my best interest. I'm going to change my reaction now. And so you imagine that you're debt free and you say something quietly in your mind or out loud if you're on your own. You say, you know, when I'm debt free, I'm going to go to the nearest liquor store, buy the most expensive bottle of champagne and pay for cash and have all my friends come around and celebrate. Those thoughts go out to the universe and they're much bigger and stronger than the previous ones. And I, I just had a re an email just about two days ago, three days ago, <clears throat> excuse me, from somebody who wrote to me and said, it's a miracle. I am debt free for the first time, parentheses and capital letters, for decades. Mm. And I have no idea how it happened. Just all these things, money just kept showing up. And, and it sounds, you know, always in that lovely new age kind of, you know, Trevor Blake should be on the stage with, you know, some, some guru or something. It's not that at all. It's pure science. And, and once you grasp it, it, you really start to feel quite powerful. That I, I don't have to be in this quicksand of death. I can get out, but I don't need to figure out how. I just need to imagine the outcome. And that comes back, turns. And that's what I talk about. That's what I mean when I talk about mentality control. It's about protecting yourself from the, the good and bad opinion of other people being individual in your thought process and controlling what you send out into the universe rather than allowing other people to influence what you send out in the universe. So another, another example would be, you know, if I'm sat in front of the TV, if I'm in debt and I'm sat in front of the TV and a commercial comes on about some, some way of getting out of debt, I will have a dozen debt thoughts and those are going to come back and give me more debt. So, I, so mentality control is switch off that channel, put the mute button on, only allow into your, your mind things that are going to be a benefit to you. So if I see, you know, a fancy Mercedes car advert, I'll watch that over and over because well, I want it, right? But I won't watch debt adverts or things like that. So you start this, it sounds a little obsessive, it's, it, but you start to control what you expose your mentality to. And then once you get control, it, it, it really turns your life around. We are bombarded every day. It seems like, especially right now with this, this negativity and this, you know, the, the kinds of things that you're talking about um, filtering out. You know, I think sometimes, for me at least, the emotions sometimes get in the way of reframing things. What can you What can you say to speak to that? I mean, is it is it a pure is it a discipline, a pure you know intellectual discipline, or how does that? What do you say to that? <clears throat> there is a discipline to want to take control. So you've got to want that first, and then make some commitments to 
introduce some tools and techniques into your life. The idea is not to become a saint. So, so we all mess up. If you see me, on there's the no problem there with me. <laughs> That's not going to oh, be. Oh, Jim, a, you're a saint. Come I'm on, you're not close. Gonna, I'm not going to pretend there's a problem with that for me. Well, if you see me on the soccer field, you'd think I'd never even read three simple steps, let alone, let alone you know, um, but, but so that's, that's okay. But, but so you take a modicum of control every now and again and, and try to filter out the stuff that makes you feel negative. And so typically that's your the, the, the TV or, or the you know, commercials or newspapers and stuff like that. So you start to become a little more obsessive about things. And, and the reason why you do that, I mean, we all know that the only reason, only reason media exists is to sell commercial airtime. And the more that media can hold your attention, paralyze you in front of the TV to watch more commercials, the better off the media is, the more money it makes. And the, the one thing that paralyzes people is not a lovely love story, it's fear. And so, and so, so fear sells commercial airspace. And so once you understand that and you think, oh, hang on a sec, I've been, I've been sucking in here, I've been pulled into this, and I'm sat in front of, of the TV watching death rates for COVID-19 and you know, politicians grandstanding and stuff, once you realize that and you say, this isn't healthy for me at all, I need to get out of this, you just switch the TV off, it's really that simple, and go take a walk in the woods. And, and you come back with this whole new sort of regeneration of neurons and, and, uh, and, and feeling, you know, feeling more powerful and more energy, really. But it, that's a discipline. Um, and I'm, I'm typically a lazy person, so I've had to learn to be disciplined to cut that stuff out of my life. But I'm very careful of what I let in through my eyes and my ears these days. I'm also very careful how I use my, my words, too. Yeah, you speak to how words are important and, and how, we, how we communicate with one another. And you also talk about the complainers, the chronic complainers that, you, that we, we do deal with in life and, you know, in the media, in everyday life because there's always when you're expressing something positive or, or trying to move in a positive perspective there are often people that come into our lives that you know are not in that ballpark right and it's not our fault because because in the front of our brains we have a group of, of neurons called mirror neurons and these are also essential for survival i think i'm right in saying that only humans and primates have, have this group of neurons and these are the ones that allow us to learn without experiencing so we can watch somebody put their hand on a hot stove and we can say, oh, that didn't go well. I won't do that. You don't have to put your hand on the hot stove to, to, to learn that lesson. That's not true in all, all, of, all of the animal kingdom. You, you see, you know, sheep will follow each other over a cliff. I mean, that, you know, it's, they, they, don't, they don't have the mirror neurons to say, that didn't go well for the sheep in front of me. I'll go the other way. Um, <laughs> and so, so, so these mirror neurons are really important and they help us survive. But they're also a double-edged sword like almost anything in life because they're also like a tractor beam that pulls us towards something that's fearful. And so, so if you, we all have the experience of walking into a room and there's a huddled group across, across the, the floor there and that talking in whispers, it's almost impossible not to feel drawn towards it. Mm -hmm. To listen really hard, what are they talking about? What's going on? And, it, and if you don't know that this, this process takes place and you don't try to take control of it, before you know it, you're in the group. Mm -hmm. And it's almost impossible to be in the group. And then before you know it, you're part of the gossiping, complaining group. And, oh, isn't this terrible? Isn't, it? isn't the weather suck? Oh, yeah, it's awful. You know, and you're part of all this thing. But once you know that the mirror neurons are doing this to you, it's very simple to just turn away and, in, and break the connection. That's all you have to do. And so, so there's lots of little tools and techniques in, in, in all the things I write about, about how to make sure you don't get caught up in that. I treat complainers like I treat smokers. Um, you know, if, 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 if I walk into a room and five people light up a cigarette, I'm out of there faster than you could ever imagine. And I treat complainers the same way. And, you know, in, in the regular business world, it's chronic. You know, you can't, it's almost impossible to go into a meeting room and not have people complain. And so when I, when I had a regular job, they used to think I had a, a really 
poor bladder because I was always excusing myself. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, and so that's, but you just, your life's at stake. So that is a gracious it. way to leave. <laughs> <laughs> your life's at stake and you have to do it. So that's one tool and technique. And another is, you know, I, I put these things like surrounding yourself with, with a sort of mental shield, imagining that all of this negativity breaking down into dust. These are the tools and techniques that all of those people in the biographies used uh, when, I, when I read them growing up. And I thought, wow, that's, that seems really cool. And they all had different names for the same thing. And so I thought, well, I'll try that. And it, you know, before long, where the sectarian bullying just drifted away. Either they got bored with me or I didn't react to that. I wasn't drawn to it anymore because I imagined myself protected by this bell jar and that nothing they said or did can hurt me. And before I knew it, I was, I, you know, I was left alone, which is what I wanted. So, you know, let's, I, I want to dive into creating winning ideas. And you talk about, this is another step. Um, you talk about making an official, making it official to make a commitment to change. Why is that, what is that and why is that an important act? It, it's down to connectivity. So three simple steps. And, and in fact, my course is uh, transformation is, is also like um, three simple steps on steroids. It's the science behind it and, and then more tools and techniques and how we, how we direct all this energy. The important thing is once you take control of your, your mentality, your energy rises and you feel, wow, I've got to do something. And so what do you do? And most people would say, well, I want to, I want, you know, I want to start my own, a band, I want to start my own company, I want to start my own it's music, it doesn't matter what, what aspect it is, um, or I want to write a book, or whatever it may be, what you have to do is find a way to, to then direct it, and so there's, there's three steps, so there's the mentality control, and then there's the connectivity step, so what you're going to do is deepen that energy, you're going to you know, increase your energy, expand it, and you're going to learn to deepen your connection with the universe, because all the ideas, they're not in you, and they're not outside of you, they're already existing, they already exist, so you have to tap in, so how do I get it? How do I get it? Help me observe, help me find something to fix. And so we do tools and techniques that primarily get people away from their devices and out into nature. And, and, and uh, you know, until 2012, there was a big debate, you know, between the microscopic things, is there empty space or is there something gluing it all together? And we now know since from 2012 that the Higgs field is confirmed. Okay, so the Higgs field exists. And it's, I call it cosmic glue because it visually makes me understand it. So everything's connected by cosmic glue. And if we didn't have the cosmic glue, you and I would be shooting through the universe at the speed of light. We wouldn't have the experience of solidity and matter. But as we interact with the cosmic glue, we, we become more physical and get more matter or, and experiences like emotions and things like that. So, so knowing that, if you know everything in the universe is connected by the same cosmic glue, that means you can go back in time to the Big Bang and you can go forward to the end of the universe if, it, if such a thing exists. And you can tap into all of that knowledge Hmm. And, and there's so few people doing that, that I would imagine the cosmic glue is very bored. And so when somebody sits down and says, this is what I want in my life, I am committing to this. I'm pretty sure it, spark, it, it explodes like a spark. And all of this, what I call life filling in the details starts to happen. So I tell people, you know, build a big intention, forget about how to do it, go make the commitment. That's like a shining light. All of this information will come to you. All of these people will start showing up. And all of the people who have been keeping you in the quicksand will start to disappear out of your life. And you have this dramatic change. I, I do warn people that, you know, if you're afraid of change, don't go down this path because there's nothing wrong with that. Make a, make a decision to stay where you are or make a decision to be the best version of yourself, but don't complain about either one. <laughs> just, just get on with it. And so if you decide to go down the magic path, as some people call it, then, then you have to make that commitment. And you basically, I, the way I do it is I sit in my favorite nature spot and, and I write it out because writing is scientifically shown to be so much more powerful than typing into a device. 
And so I, I'll write out my new commitment. This is, you know, this is the outcome I, I'm intending for myself. And if it's in my highest good, let life fill in the details. And then, you know, I come home and the phone goes and it's the perfect person to talk to at that point in time. It's, it sounds too good to be true, but you have to try it. And then you lose nothing by trying this exercise. So there's a sense of synchronicity that happens when you, yep. when you put this into motion. Yeah, and, and, and don't try and figure it out. Just go with it. And uh, that takes a bit of practice, uh, you know, to, to, to go with it and see what happens. Um, everyone who's done that, everyone on the transformation course, their stories are just, they're, they're a new book in the making. If I get their permission to write the stories, they're some fantastic stories. Things like, a, you know, a 15-year-old girl in Sri Lanka who was working in a sweatshop. I have no idea how she got my book. I hope it wasn't in a dumpster or something like that. But I have no idea how she got it. And, and she wrote me, a, you know, about two years ago, she wrote me her little journey. She found she had this book in 2013. And by 2016, she not only left the sweatshop, but all she ever wanted to do was dance. She's now in London dancing with the Royal Ballet. Wow. And it was, it was that, time, that type of miraculous change. And she told me about all these things, all these people that showed up in her life that she didn't plan herself. She just kept hold of the intention that I'm going to be a professional dancer. She had no idea she was going to end up in London. And um, the stories like that are you know, fantastic. An 87-year-old man um, in, in Virginia started his first company at 87 years old. He's now 89. He's having the time of his life. Uh, you know, that's what happens. It's, ne you never, it's never too late, and, and there's never a wrong time to decide to reinvent yourself. And this time we're in now is perfect for reinvention. That's interesting because, you know, a lot of people think this is a really – hard time you know that it's not the time to start something but you differ from that why is it bet why is it a good time well there's, there's two reasons one is recessions are by far the best time to start companies and statistics show that more companies are started in recessions than any other time and, and that, people ask me why is that and i have my simple answers are you know when things are going really well in the economy and i want to start a new company and i want to find a vendor to help me they shut the door in my face because i'm of no interest to them because they've got all the business they need in a recession they don't just open the door to me. They, make, they sit me down and make me a cup of tea. You know, a completely different attitude to, oh, come on in, Trevor. Yes, I'm sorry we were brusque before. We didn't mean to be rude. We'd love to talk about your project. A completely different. Um, uh, it's, it's so much easier in recession to start something and, and, and move fast. So that's the number, I'd say, number one reason, um, other than wanting to, you know, not be fired again. Um, and the number two reason is we're, we're moving energetically. We're moving from a long period of, you know, several hundred centuries of a particular energy that people give different names to. Some people call it masculine energy. It's very linear and slow. And, you know, it's like a man with a clipboard, tick that, yep, done that, done that, done that. Um, and you think, think to visualize it, think of the old, the, the old energy we're moving away from as sort of like, you know, roads and runways and, and, and hierarchical company structures. It's all crumbling away. And everything we know, so all of everything, not just um, business, but everything we do, everything in life is going through a process of change right now. And it's because energy moves in waves. And so we're coming to the, this next part of the wave. And some people call this feminine energy. And, and so I do that myself. And this feminine energy is very fast paced, breathless actually. And it feels like it's spinning. And that means you have to be really adaptable and you don't have time now to say, oh, here's a problem, let's call a meeting. Let's put it up the food chain to the boss. You, you're finished if you do that. Now you have to use your intuition to make a decision. And so everything in life is switching from this slow, linear, analytical energy to this really fast-paced moving thing. And that means that the opportunity, technology is moving so fast that the opportunity to create something new and get financial independence really quickly is like never before. I think history will show this is, this is the best time to achieve that. I mean, I'm reading every day stories of people who came up with an idea two years ago and they just sold it today for 500 million. 
Mm. You know, they're really not, there's no longevity anymore. The, the average age of a company back in the 50s was 75 years, and they're all household names. It's now 20 years. And mm. so, and it's going to go down to probably about five years. So, mm. so, so it, it's a new, it's, it's an age where you really have to learn to, well, I have to learn at my age to behave as an entrepreneur in a slightly different way. So I have to, I built my business models to match this time and I am able to be really adaptable and I work on tools and techniques to deepen my intuition so that I make better uh, decisions. But even after, you know, 30 years of working on my intuition, it's still only 10% as good as every woman I meet. <laughs> and so this is also the age where women will really thrive in business. So you can see that now because for the first time ever, more startups have been started by women than men, which, I'm, which is great. You know, I think it's, it's going to be a really interesting next few years. Step three is transforming ideas into achievements. And I, I want to I talk a little bit about that. You talk about desire, belief, and a sense of knowing. Could you talk a little bit? About that? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, everyone's had that moment in their life where they just know something and, it's, and it happens. So, you, so we know this is a real sense. So I, I think at a vibrationally level, you know, if you desire something, it's, that's good. And some, some nice surprises will show up in your life. But that's one level of vibration. If you work on tools and techniques to get you to believe it's going to happen, which is what most self-help books get you to, that's a higher vibration. And more things show up. And some of them are actually the things that you wanted. But that much higher, exponentially higher vibration that we have to get to to, to be the best versions of ourselves is a sense of knowing and this is where all mystery disappears so, so you, you move to a higher level of vibration and there's tools and techniques to get there and at that vibration you no longer you, you take away the stress of having to believe and you take away the stress of wanting and you just know so you so you, you do these tools and techniques i don't have to believe in it it's going to happen anyway because it's a scientific process it can't help but happen so it takes away the stress from me having to think i'm the one that makes it happen i don't set it up, do the tools and techniques. And then at that level of knowing when what you, the, the outcome you've set for yourself shows up in your life, your emotion has changed. Whereas previously it would have been one of excitement. It changes to gratitude hmm. and there's a clue in that. And so, so gratitude is a really high vibration. And so if you work on tools and techniques that build or gratitude for everything, um, you put yourself in this, in, in this vibration of a sense of knowing. And so in that level of vibration, if you set an intention for something that's so far almost like madness from where you are right now, it has no choice but to become your, become your experience. And, and that's, you know, that's what we teach in the transformation courses, it's at least a month long course, but you have to build up. You can't, you can't just, I haven't met anyone yet who can switch from being in quicksand to achieving this miraculous life without changing their vibration. Mm, yeah. So we work on, it's just a, it's a scientific process. You just put yourself on a slightly higher energy plane and then you just know. I mean, I, that's, what, that's why I, I, I imagine the outcome of my company at the very beginning what i want for my company and um and then work on my vibration and then i just know this will show up hmm. fascinating you talk about the the old kind of paradigms of warriors and the new kind of paradigms of wizards we only have about two minutes can you speak to that in just that little <laughs> yeah. bit of time Jim yeah, and i, I mean, want to be wizards <laughs> we want to be wizards. Exactly. you know i can answer it with this you know that the, the that one of the laws of energy is it can neither be created nor destroyed, only converted into another form. And everything is energy. Therefore, there's a clue there. So you, if you learn to interact with energy in a different way, you'll have different outcomes. The, the definition of magic is remarkably similar. Magic is the conversion of one form into another form within the laws of nature under the power of will. They're exactly the same thing. And so, so the old way of thinking, to, in order to get something, I have to draw my sword kill a few people and go and steal it or something like that, or you know, build it brick by brick, that's gone now. Because you can mentally convert one form of energy into another form of energy, just using your, using your will. 
And so it is quite possible to sit in a chair and let it all come to you. I, I would find that particularly boring. So I like to get out there and, and, and create, but uh, you know, that's basically, the, there's just a difference that the old energy, that linear energy was definitely one of warrior and, and uh, conquering. And we move more to one that's a little bit more empathetic, but the, uh, the here's the rub bit for that is that feminine energy is totally unforgiving. And a lot of people don't realize that. So if you go back in history, you'll see that female warriors were merciless. They did not stop to pick up the wounded and they did not take prisoners. And I'm seeing that in the business world right now. And I've had to change the way I negotiate because up, up at the table more and more now will be a female. And they've already sorted out a the solution. They've already, science shows, all the surveys show that females make better, negotiate, better negotiators when competing interests are involved. And that's what it is in the negotiation tables, competing interests. If I'm negotiating with a man, it's like an ego battle and it goes on forever. If I negotiate with a female, the decision's already made. And if I don't want to be part of that, they'll leave me behind. Awesome. Uh, one more question, and that is, if there's one tool you would suggest for our audience, what's that tool? What's the one thing they should do? The, all the studies that, uh, that look into what makes people successful always come back to the same two things. One is self-confidence, and two is a tendency to set targets. And that's all there is to it. There's no, there's no esoteric school to make successful entrepreneurs. That's all there is to it. It's, it's self-confidence. And you build self-confidence by following tools and techniques, not by reading a guy's book that says you can be a better person than you are, but by doing actual tools and techniques that produce results that raise your self-confidence. So, so transformation course is what I recommend to everybody. All my proceeds go to uh, cancer research and development or my animal sanctuary. Um, I don't do this for, for profit because I don't need to, but it's, uh, it's the right time. It needs to be, someone needs to be speaking about these things. Well, Trevor, thank you so much. It's been awesome having you on. We could talk for another hour and maybe you can, we could bring you back at some point. Yeah, I would love it. I, I, you know, like my wife always tells everybody, careful asking Trevor his opinion. He's always got one. <laughs> <laughs> so for more information about Trevor Blake, first off, take a look at his books, Three Simple Steps and Secrets to a Successful Startup. And also, I think we can go to www.trevorgblake.com. Is that right? Yeah, everything's there. It's a portal to everything that, I, that I'm doing right now. Fantastic. Trevorgblake.com. Excellent. For more great information about Sarah Bowen, go to spiritual-rebel.com. I've got premium video courses on my site called youthrivehere.com. I hope you'll join me there. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk with you next time on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report, bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on The Angel Tarot Show, exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.